This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So when I set up my strategy of my hunt plan, I've got, like I said, five options. One of them is always a radical change in elevation for a lot of reasons. We don't need to get into it right now. Not just snow. And the second one is I always have an option for a base camp hunt. Even though I'm a llama guy, I pack in, guys. I love to pack in, right? I love to go deep. But I always have a vehicle base camp option somewhere in my strategy. And um, that's ready to go. And if I need to use it, I can use it. Yeah, and, and especially um, with kids, like that's yeah. my go-to with kids. It's I, I have all those hunts planned because – physically it's a little bit you want them to have fun and 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 the hunt not to be too physically demanding sometimes and yeah i i have those hunts too for my kids and if i'm injured i just would probably go right to that hunt too that's right there's a lot of reasons you can end up there right yeah well let's, let me give you another example let's say that you go back in and you're you're just ripping it back there it's a 10-day hunt and you're seven days in and you're back there hunting and you um you haven't turned up anything yet. You got a couple of days left on. That's it. A couple of days. And all your backup spots are going to require a whole day to get in. It's going to be con- You only got two. Dude, jump to your base camp hunt the last couple of days. Your base camp option, right? Drive over to your base camp option. Get a couple of days of in. And you're, you're still hunting. You're still in the game. Mm-hmm. I talk to guys. I talk to guys all the time that tell me this. Well, I was seven days in and I, I just went home. I just went home early. I didn't have another option, right? I'm like, guys, we wait, we wait all year for this, right? We that we're on this podcast right now. I mean, we're I'm getting excited about elk hunting right now, and it's free. We wait, we do everything. We juggle our schedules. We beg our wives. We buy gear. We do whatever it takes to carve these days out. You do not want to come home early because let me tell you what's a guaranteed. Every case, all the time. No exception, guaranteed you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. I've never talked to a hunter that came home early and said, dang, I wish I wouldn't have done that. 
I wish I just would have stuck in it out. If I'd been yeah. mm-hmm. a little more mentally tough, if I'd have been a little more prepared, if I'd have been a little, had a little bit better gear, if I would have this, I would have that, I would have that. But I've never heard, man, I'm so glad I left early and quit. There's nothing more rewarding than sticking it out and getting your animal on the, you know, the last hour of the last day of your hunt. Absolutely nothing more rewarding. You guys, you guys follow Ryan Lampers. Do you guys know Ryan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know how many giants, and I mean, when I say giants, I mean freaking certified bone crushing giants that he has killed in the last hour of the freaking hunt. He is the master Mm -hmm. of pulling it out of his ass at the last second because that dude will not go home ever. Just ask his wife. I mean, that dude will (laughs) never, ever go home early. He will never leave before it's freaking dark. He will never quit glass until he can't see. He will never, ever, ever do it. And that's one thing I've learned from him. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want to give him too much credit. Um, But I've learned that dude just will not. He hasn't seen a mule deer in 20 days. Literally, he was on a hunt. He had seen a deer in 20 days and kills that tank in the last five minutes of the freaking hunt. And that's a whole nother level of mental toughness that a lot of guys just don't have, right? Now, I'm not saying that everybody has that, right? But what you do have is you got to have the mental fortitude to suck it up and not be a baby and just stick it out. Mm -hmm. Elk hunting, guys, is 99% boredom and 1% excitement. Mm -hmm. It's 99% failure, right? And then all of a sudden, there's an elk standing in front of you. Yeah. And it can happen at any second, but not if you're on the drive home, not no, if you're 100%. in your backyard. Um, so I anyway, think, I, I think everybody, I think everybody has that mental toughness. They have the mental ability. Sorry. They just That's don't right. know how to access it. They just have, to, right. have, they haven't challenged themselves. They haven't put themselves through those hard, difficult situations because once you start doing that, then you start building a callus and you start developing that, you know, the exactly. willingness and to what just I'm, tough it out for an extra five minutes to till that last bit of light. That's exactly right. And what I'm trying to tell you guys today is that if you set up your hunt plan with enough options and all of the features that we're talking about, you are far more likely to stick it out than you are if you don't have if you don't have a strategy and you don't have a plan B and you don't have a base camp and you don't have a hunt area at a different elevation and you don't have these drive options, we were talking, if you don't have all these things worked out, you are far more likely to pull the plug and go home early. Guys, we all miss our wives. Well, some more than others. Um, <laughs> we all miss our kids. We all guys, it's a very common thing. And if you don't, then something's wrong with you, right? Something's wrong with you. Yeah. But there's a but you if you got to get your mind right as much as you work on your fitness, much as Kevin, every I'm almost every selfie I see of him is some kind of bench press or something he's doing right. Uh, (laughs) As much as you work on that, (laughs) as much as you work on that, that's our poster boy right there for focus. You got to work on the mental (laughs) toughness side too, guys. You've got to be ready. You got to do self-talk. I know this stuff sounds crazy, but um, you know, 
I know this is going to sound crazy, but I hunt a lot of days. So one of my secrets is I do, you know, 20, 30 days at a stint sometimes. I did 42 days with two days off bear season this year. That's a lot. This man. past year, 40 days, a long time, right? Oh, yeah. But I take a lot of, I've got a lot of uh, motivational books. I've got a, a podcast and stuff like that on my phone. And you'd be surprised what a Andy Frisella podcast will do to you when you're like feeling down and out. And he's like, are you going to be a baby? Are you going to suck <laughs> it up? Are you going to, and you're like, no, I'm not going to be a baby. I am going to suck it up. And some of that can really lift your spirits guys on that. Mm -hmm. And so don't, you know, don't discount some of those tactics as well. All right. Sorry. We got a little rabbit hole, but it's all good stuff. Um, all right. So next up is the strategic hunt plan section. We've been, we've been alluding to this all the time. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I put this in the middle it cause I didn't want it to be all the way at the end. Because I felt it's important. You kind of know what, you know how it is sometimes, guys. You almost have to know your end goal early. So that when you work through a course or something like this, you have to know what what are you working towards? If you put it at the end, sometimes you're like, okay, mm -hmm. oh, I, 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 I hope that makes sense. So, well, that's, again, that's that, an another good reason why you do this now, not later. So you can go through the whole thing and then you can, you know, work your way back through it. Yeah. Just like Derek was saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. So the strategic hunt plan part, guys, We, I'm not going to say too much more because we've been beating this one to death. Yeah. It's really just the strategy of how we put it together, putting together those all those various options. But what I can't stress enough is it is vitally important that you write it down. Guys, most guys go on their hunt, they open up their phone, and it's a sea of red. It's the default icon, red, I or it's orange if you're Go Hunt, or it's red if you're Gaia, orange if you're Go Hunt, red if you're Onyx. I don't know what Spartan Forge is. I don't know what their default color is. I can't remember. But it, you open up your screen. How many people open up their screen right now? I wish you guys would open up your screen and hold it up. Hold, show me your hunting spots. But um, it's just all red. That means nothing hardly. to You kind of know a few mm -hmm. things. But you don't have your notes. You don't have thoughts. You don't know why you picked spot A over spot B or this glassing spot. Why is this a number one glassing spot, number two glassing spot, or a tertiary? Um, your rating systems, all the things, guys, is all part of this plan. And all I'm doing in this course when it comes to this part is I'm not telling you exactly how to do it. I'm telling you how I do it. And you might want to um, – Tweak it. For example, uh, I use different icons for different features, but I always use the same icon for that feature. For example, benches. If I find a bench area, meaning, you know, topography, a flat area on a slope that I'm interested in that meets all my criteria, I use an icon for that bench. I use an icon for saddles. I use an icon for feeding zones. I use an icon for camps. I use, obviously, I use icons for all things, but I have a master um, legend for that, right? And then I go one step further. Every icon gets a color for me. Red, uh, and I've actually, that's bad. Don't use red because red is the default. Orange is the primary color. That means it's a high level of importance. Blue or purple is my secondary. And then purple or blue, whichever one, you know, 
you get my point. You got three colors mm-hmm. yeah. for priority. So when you see a bench that's orange, you're like, okay, when I dropped this pin, that was an important bench area for me. Okay, fine. Well, then I go the third level is any features that I find that are, I think, outstanding, no matter what they are, I give them a star. As a, it's, a, it's a star icon. Almost every hunt platform has it, and I give it a star, and this is why. So if I find a bench that's just money, it's on a north slope, it's three-quarters of the way up, it's in a drainage with no trail, it's like it's got a freaking opening in it where there could be some uh, some edge habitat. It's got a creek running through the bench. I'm like, okay, this is a good bench. Star. Why do I do that? Well, it is amazing. When you zoom out your screen and you start to see all the colors, where is all the oranges clustered? Where are all the blues clustered? And then more importantly, where are the stars clustered? You're like, well, look over here. I got three star icons right here, and I don't have any anywhere else. Well, that's op- it's pretty obvious that this is starting to visually look important to me, right? But it, but think about it. If it was all your default color, it would just look all the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is it's 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 really is valuable to take the time in your primary hunt application, and I, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this, but whichever application that you're going to use as your primary tool on that particular hunt is where you want to do all your icon coloring and all your icon uh, prioritization, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the same with roots, guys. I plan every route. I trace every trail that's established. I, I plan all my off-trail All of my established trails are orange. All of my off trails are blue. So guys, what I'm telling you is that when you open up my app and you're looking at hunt area A, it's almost like a a piece of art. You're looking at it and it is starting to make, it's, 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 it's speaking to you, right? It's telling you something. It's actually telling you a lot about where you should be concentrating your efforts. And, but without that level of custom markup, your hunt plan is pretty generic and it's pretty plain and it's pretty, and guys, if you're old like me and you've hunted elk for 33 years and you hunt for 80 days a year, you look at those waypoints, you're like, holy shit, what does all that mean down there? What's that, what's that glob of, of, right? Have we all looked Mm -hmm. at our... So taking the time to develop a system is really, really, really important. So anyway, uh, I hope you just, got just on the routes, uh, personally taking the time to, especially at dark, you know, like you're trying to go through some of these trails and there's some that are safer than others. Just knowing and understanding, have a way I have a, like, after I finished your course, I, I rewalked a lot of those trails and I looked at the topography lines and saying like, okay, I know the zones of pressure. If I shoot an elk in there, What's the most efficient way to pack them out? Yeah. And if I got to go in the dark, if I got to, if I got to take a, a, you know, my kid with me, what's the safest routes and then what's the most efficient. So I'm not dropping down into blowdowns at night and trying to pack out. Right. Then I have a designated trail and I know it's following topography. It might be a bit, a little bit longer, but it is overall easier. Well, yeah. I am um, so glad you said that because 
I cover roots quite a bit in my course, but I didn't do a good enough job. I, I, I am adding an entire module to root planning. There is so much to this that we can't even scratch the surface today. And most people are like, yeah, yeah. What, what, how could it be that complicated? It's not complicated, but there are some strategies that are going to change the game for you. If you start doing what, what Derek just mentioned is so subtle, but so important for guys that are, if you didn't pay attention to what he was saying, let me give you an example. You, you've got your route traced into camp. Remember I said that you knew you could get to camp in two hours. Well, how do you know that you can get to camp in two hours? You can't just look at the topo map and figure that out. Well, you can if you've got tons of experience. But if you trace the route and you know the distance and you know the elevation gain, so you know, okay, it's three miles, it's 2,000 feet of elevation. Okay, it's going to take me approximately three hours, Right. So you know that route, and that's all in your notes. Guys, this is all in your notes. And then when you get to camp, you've got this ridge that's above camp. It's about, a, let's say it's called two miles up. Well, you've routed, it's off trail, like, like we said, right? You've, and you've looked at Google Earth. You've planned the best route through the cliffs, through the topography, and you've traced it in blue up to glassing spot A. Well, now you know how far that route is and how much elevation it is. So now you know how long it's going to take you to get to glassing spot A. The worst thing you can do is get to an elk glassing spot an hour after daylight. You're not helping yourself, guys. When you get to your glassing spot an hour after the elk have already walked into the timber, right? So how many guys do that? They do it all the time because they do mm -hmm. not know how mm -hmm. they underestimate how long it's going to yeah. take them to hike all the way up there, right? But here's what's more important. How many guys do you know that are sitting on glassing spot A, they've spent, they hike two hours to get up there and they're like looking at their, and they're, grizz, they're in grizzly country. They're looking at their watch and they're like, man, it's, it's, we got an hour before dark. I, I should start heading back so I can get my, find my way back all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. It happens. But if you got that blue line already routed yeah. and you, you know, you know, it's a solid route. You know you're not going to get cliffed out. Mm -hmm. You know it's um, the same way with laying a track on the way to the route, right? Mm -hmm. If you've got a route to follow in, on your phone in the dark, you're 90% more likely to stay during the prime time than you are if you do. You have no route. And you're like, I got to get back to the trail because it, it's going to be a nightmare to find my way back if I wait mm -hmm. till dark. I feel like that, that happens so many times to folks. They just oh, leave a little too early, and like last light is the best light. That's right, and first light. What yeah. I've done in a couple of my main trails that I go into a couple of my spots, whether they're going up into slides or whatever, like I, like we've talked before, I'm in some nasty ass steep country here. But if it's like a main trail that we use to access certain areas, and then at a certain point we'll branch off from there. What we've done in the past is we'll actually stick some of those thumbtacks that shine. Mm for the walk home or the walk in for that matter. Cause if you got to get way up high to a glassing spot, um, sometimes these, these areas that there's tons of trails and you can get off a trail if you're not, you know, if you don't know it well enough, but if you got a couple thumbtacks here and there that glow or sorry, that reflect light on your way up or on your way down, it's just one last thing you even have to consider not that you're relying on it but it's nice to have be like oh yeah there's my thumbtack there that's right it's not like that's you have a, a good bit of them 
but a couple of them here and there on a on a trail that you run all the time. It yeah, helps. some critical spots, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're not it doing it on every trail that you walk up, but it's like yeah, right. these are these are key ones. Well, for you guys too that are newer that are listening to this and don't have a ton of experience with the apps and navigating. So when I started hunting, oh, this is pretty freaking old. I wish, dang it, I should have brought, I still got my first GPS. Uh, it's downstairs. If we record another segment, I'm going to bring it on and show it. You're not, you guys, it's about this long. It's about 12 inches tall. It's got a flip open screen. It takes 16 AA batteries and it only lasts for like an hour. And the only thing it told you was your latitude, longitude, and what direction, what bearing you needed to go and how far it was. That's it. No, no toe, no nothing. Like I said, I'm old. But so when GPSs first came out, guys, I, I know make, people might know this, but I don't know that they really know it. There used to be this thing called selective availability where they were worried back in the day that people would, they'd use these things for nefarious reasons. And so they, they purposely jammed the gps signals or did something to the signals to make them less accurate right mm -hmm. but over time that's gone away and these your phone devices guys that you're tracing routes on and you're doing tracks on are so remarkably accurate within literally feet or less than a foot that it's so beneficial for navigation is what i'm saying mm -hmm. because it is so accurate and like, if you're navigating, like, like he was saying in a real cliffy, real sketchy area, we bear hunting, for example, we hunt in some gnarly country bear season. Navigating that cliffy stuff in the dark is, oh, we, it's, mm -hmm. you know, you don't even know you're going along. You're like it's pitch black, dark. And all of a sudden your headlight, it's not reflecting off anything. You're like, well, what is that down there? You know, mm -hmm. it, it can be a little unnerving. And so these roots are, are really important. And, but I just wanted to say that the accuracy of the placement of them is um, incredible with these apps today. So don't, don't, um, um, don't discount that and use it to your benefit. You're never going to plan routes and you're never going to pre-plan hikes. That's going to be a waste of time guys. You're because every time you're doing it, you're learning more about distance calculations. You're learning more about how long it's going to take you to spot A and spot B. Um, and here's another tip, guys. If, if you've got more time than most dudes, go back and look at all your tracks from last hunting season. And look at the elevation gains and losses on those tracks and figure out what's your mile per hour rate. Well, I can tell you with me, I've looked at it in detail with my llamas. I am right about 2.2 miles an hour in most country, unless it's super steep. My llamas and I, because the llamas, that's kind of their speed. They like that speed, right? Kevin's is probably about four and a half to five and a half miles an hour. Um, but mine is like two. Um, so you can start using that formula, that data from your past hikes, to help you plan your future hikes is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So I know this stuff all seems simple, guys. And what I'm going to tell you about this course is there's not one thing in this course that's going to be revolutionary, probably. Well, maybe there is a few. But what you're going to see and what you're going to find is it's it's going to be the 
um, death, death of a thousand cuts kind of thing, right? You're going to, it's going to be one. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good technique. Oh, that's a good technique. Oh, that's, oh, playing using colors for priority. I wasn't thinking about that. I was already using icons, but I wasn't using colors. Okay. That's good. And I certainly wasn't using the star. That's another good point. When you add all these up, you have moved the needle of your success exponentially. Um, I'm telling you, 100%. like, big time move the needle. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and it's I think not- that's what separates that's what separates what you're saying before the 20-80% rule, right? Is like right? death by a thousand cuts is that the guys doing it successfully every year, they know like they've experienced it, those. They've they've gone through it, they've made mistakes, they've learned from them. You're putting it all in a package that's gonna help people sh- you know shortcut all these in a way right like that's right. going through all these strategies and stuff and learning this now in february going through these modules taking the time to learn it and then applying it you know in the field it's gonna it, it's it's exponentially gonna help you well i'm gonna say one more thing that people don't again i'm i always like to say i'm missed i call myself mr obvious sometimes because sometimes i just like to talk the common sense things right that seem so simple but are often overlooked like mm-hmm. a lot of the things we're talking about right yeah but let me let me open your eyes to a simple fact so people know who ryan lampers is right we already talked about that so yep. ryan hunts elk about like me we both hunt about somewhere between 80 to 100 days a year we are lucky to be able to hunt elk that many or not elk we're, we're lucky to be able to hunt that many days a year right well think about that for a minute so the average, since we're a lot of can, the average Canadian that works as a, in another job besides the hunting industry, and he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got ten days to hunt, right? Let's say he's got ten days to elk hunt. I feel sorry for you if you only have ten days, but I know you, a lot of you do. Um, I'm just kidding. It's I, I that's how I used to be as well. So you got ten days to hunt, okay? Lampers hunts. A hundred for every year that he hunts guys, he's got 10 years of experience on you mm-hmm. every year. Oh, yeah. So in 10 years, he has a hundred years of experience it, compared to a person averages guys. It cannot be ignored. No. It is so overwhelmingly in his favor that you can't ignore that. So then you're like, well, what, what does that mean, Mark? What what I, you just ruined my whole season when you said that. 